Please take your Bibles once more and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament, chapter 5, reading together verses 12 through 16. This is God's Word, Luke chapter 5, verses 12 to 16. It is perhaps and hopefully a familiar passage to you, but may the Lord open our eyes to see marvelous things, new things, fresh things from his word this morning. Hear God's word. This is Luke, Dr. Luke writing for us. And while he, that is Jesus, was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Amen. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word our God stands forever. Let's pray again and ask him to help us as we study his word. Father, we have heard this morning that your word is like the snow and the rain. It comes down, but it will not return to you empty without watering our souls, without accomplishing your purposes. So Lord, would you be pleased to cause your word to have great success, great prosperity within our hearts, Lord, that it would grow us up, that we would be changed by it, transformed after the image of Jesus Christ. Lord, establish our hearts in the gospel and make us servants of yours, Lord Jesus, fishers of men to go forth into the world with that same gospel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the past couple of weeks, I've had several conversations with people who were raised in the church, but for a variety of reasons have grown skeptical toward Christianity. They've rejected the trustworthiness of the Bible, and yet they still have wanted to talk with me about big questions, philosophical questions, theological questions, right? Questions like the nature of the soul, questions like where did everything come from, right? Creation. Uh, questions about how a supposedly good God could send anyone to hell. Uh, questions about the relationship between Christianity and all the other world religions. Now, these are not unimportant questions, right? They're questions that as Christians we need to, to be willing and able to engage with other folks in. Uh, but as I've had these conversations, I've noticed that what these folks have not wanted to talk about all right, is who they are as creatures and as sinners and who Jesus claims to be and what the Bible tells us that Jesus did. It's reminded me of a conversation that Jesus had with a woman at the well in John chapter 4. You remember after Jesus points out the fact uh, that uh, she has had five husbands and the, the man she's living with now is not her husband, uh, the, the, the Samaritan woman uh, turns the conversation right, as, as a smokescreen. Right? And, and says, let's talk about this worship war between Jews and Samaritans and, and, and where they are supposed to worship. 
Now, Jesus actually does engage with her on that topic, but he is quick to come back to the main point, to the fact that he is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed prophet, priest, and king who has come to give sinners living water that will quench our thirst eternally. Who is Jesus? Is the most important question that you can ask and answer because if he is who he says he is, right, then all those other big questions that you have, that you struggle with, that you wrestle with, will be answered in what he has to say about them. This morning as we come to Luke chapter 5, to this story about Jesus healing the leper and the results of that healing, the most important thing for you to see here in this passage is what it teaches us about Jesus himself. Now notice that after the healing, uh, Jesus sends the, the, the healed leper to the priest so that he can make an offering for his cleansing according to the law of Moses. And then he says, for a proof to them. Now certainly the the proof, or variously translated the witness, the testimony, uh, was certainly about the man's cleansing, the reality of his cleansing. But it's more than that. The healing of the leper testifies. It bears witness. It is proof of who Jesus is. The long-awaited Savior, who is full of pity, joined with power, who has come to cleanse sinners from their sin, who is the true priest, the righteous priest who through his shed blood reconciles sinners to God and reconciles sinners to one another. So this morning, I want us to see three things from this story all about Jesus, all about who Jesus is. First, Jesus is able and willing to cleanse all who come to him by faith. Secondly, Jesus has compassion on the outcast. And third, Jesus is unswerving in his commitment, his devotion, his obedience to God's law. Let's look at these three things together this morning. First, Jesus is able and willing to clean all who come to him in faith. Luke tells us that while Jesus was in one of the cities of Galilee, a man full of leprosy comes up to him. Now, our English word leprosy actually comes from the Greek word used here, lepra. Right? But from Leviticus chapter 13, that, that speaks of, of, of leprosy, uh, we realize that, that leprosy in the Bible is not what we tend to think about it. Right? Leprosy, that, that's, that's called Hansen's disease. Right? That's not all that, that leprosy in the Bible uh, consisted of. It's actually a, a, a wide range of skin diseases, probably including even things that we're familiar with today, like eczema and psoriasis and ringworm. These skin disease and others right, in those days were, would have been visible. They, they would have been spreading. In some cases, they would have been infectious. Dr. Luke tells us that this man was full of leprosy, right? full of lepra, full of these skin diseases. It wasn't some minor affliction. It was a major, severe, probably painful, probably gross disease covering his body. But far worse from these physical effects were the religious effects. These skin diseases in the Old Covenant defiled a person. They rendered him ceremonially unclean, unable to come into the presence of a holy God in the tabernacle or in the temple. As long as there was leprosy, these skin diseases in someone's body, they could not come into the presence of God. They were banned from fellowship with God, from his word 
in the synagogue, in, in the temple. Now, somehow this man had, had come to know that Jesus was able to make him clean. Jesus could heal him from his leprosy. Maybe someone had told him about Jesus. Maybe he had seen Jesus heal someone from afar. Whatever the case, when the man saw Jesus, he makes a beeline for him. And he falls on his face in reverence and humility, and he begs the Lord to heal him. Notice the faith in this man's words, right? He confesses that Jesus has all power, all authority, all ability to heal him of his disease, to get rid of these skin conditions that keep him from fellowship with God. You are able, you can make me clean, he says. But the man also humbly submits to the, the will of God, the will of Jesus. If you will, if you are willing, you can make me clean. See, in faith, he doesn't demand that Jesus does what he wants him to do. Rather, he casts himself on the mercy of Jesus. He casts himself on Jesus' will. He acknowledges, as Peter did last week, he acknowledges his own unworthiness, his own uncleanness. And what does Jesus do? Well, Jesus responds to the man's humble and submissive faith by stretching out his hand, touching him, and saying, I will be clean. I do desire to heal you, and I heal you by the mere determination of my will. I will be clean. And Luke tells us that the leprosy left him immediately. You remember a few weeks ago, we heard about Naaman the leper. Jesus mentioned him back in Luke chapter 4. And if you were to go back to 2 Kings chapter 5, you would see that, that when Naaman came to the king of Israel to be healed of his leprosy, the king exclaimed, am I God to kill and to make alive that this man wants me to cure him of his leprosy? And, and the king is saying, look, you can't just cure leprosy. You can't cure these skin diseases with a touch or with a word. Even Elisha, when he says to the king, send him to me, send him to me. He tells Naaman to go and wash in the river Jordan. But Jesus has divine power to heal by a touch, even by a word. Jesus doesn't always heal the same way, does he? In Luke chapter 17, we're going to read about how Jesus healed 10 lepers from afar. And he doesn't do it immediately. He, he, he heals them, he, but he tells them, go to the priest. And on the way, as they went to the priest, they were healed. But here, Jesus touches the leper and he immediately becomes clean. The leper becomes clean. Now, ordinarily in, in Bible times and in the, under the old covenant, a person who would touch an unclean object or an unclean person would become unclean. Right? If you, a clean person, Right? Touch something that's unclean, you become unclean. But when Jesus touches something unclean, that person becomes clean. Think about a bar of soap. Right? When, when a bar of soap comes in contact with dirt, it doesn't make the bar of soap dirty, does it? Right? You, you don't say, ah, oh, well, that bar of soap has now touched your dirty hands and, and I can't use it. Right? We have to throw that bar of soap away. It's unclean. No. The bar of soap has, has cleanly power, cleanliness within it. It is so pure right, that, it, that it repels filth again and again and again. How much more is it true of, of Jesus? He doesn't pollute himself by touching the leper, but he communicates cleansing through his touch in response to the faith that this man showed him. And what is true of the body is even more true of the soul. 
You see, though, the leprosy in the Bible never is, is directly connected to sin. You got leprosy because of your sin. Uh, yet, as something that, that separated one from the holy presence of God, it's certainly a picture of sin, isn't it? Right? Leprosy, these skin diseases known in the Old and the New Testament, would, would have pointed the people to their sinfulness, to their uncleanness spiritually. And in the same way that Jesus was able and willing to heal the leper who came to him in faith, so Jesus is able and willing to heal the sinner who comes to him in faith to be clean of his sin. I want you to think back to this last week. I want you to think back to the things that you have done, the things that you have said, the things that you failed to say and failed to do. Perhaps they, they come to you as you lie down in your, your bed at night. Yesterday, I, uh, we had our Ultimate Frisbee Summer League Tournament, and we played two games, and I didn't play very well. Right? Lots of drop passes, or drop catches, lots of bad passes, lots of bad defense. And I, I, I kid you not, I, I lay in bed last night, and the first thing that came to mind were all the drops and all the bad passes. And it's like, why am I having these thoughts? Like, it was just a game. Right? And then I thought this, I don't think this way about my sin at night often. Do you often think about your sin? We should. We should be convicted in our conscience. And when our conscience smites us, and when it reviews within our hearts, look at your sin, look at what you've done, look at what you've left undone. Look at the things you failed to do. What the hope do we have? The hope that we have is what we're about to sing. Look at your bulletins, the first verse. Come, ye sinners, poor and wretched, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus, ready, stands to save you, full of pity, joined with power. He is able. He is able. He is willing. Doubt no more. You come here this morning doubting Jesus' power to cleanse you from your sin? Or perhaps do you come here this morning doubting Jesus' willingness to cleanse you from your sin? This story tells us that Jesus is able, Jesus is willing to clean you if you come to him in humble faith. If you are unclean, it is not because Jesus doesn't have power to heal you. It's not because Jesus is not willing to save you if you will come to him. Jesus restores the believer to fellowship with God. And here's the most glorious thing about it. Jesus restores us to fellowship with God. Jesus cleans us by becoming unclean himself for our sake. It's true, though he wasn't polluted by touching the leper, yet on the cross, God would make his son sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. If you trust him this morning, he is able. He is willing. He is ready to take your uncleanness and to give you his cleanness, to grant you full access to the Father. So that's the first thing we see about Jesus this morning. He is willing, he is able and willing to clean the one who comes to him in faith. But secondly, we see in this story that Jesus has compassion on the outcast. You see, there's something I haven't told you yet about the impact of, of leprosy. There weren't only physical effects. There, there weren't only religious effects. There were also social effects. 
In Leviticus chapter 13, Leviticus 13 and 14 are where we, we learn about skin diseases and, and how uh, the priests were to deal with them and how uh, the, the, the healing was to be acknowledged. In Leviticus 13, we read that the leper was to go about with his clothes torn, with his hair disheveled and let down, covering his upper lip and crying out, unclean, unclean. He was to live alone outside the camp, away from family and friends. All human contact, except for other lepers, was forbidden. He was an outcast. He was in quarantine. He was banished from human society. He, He lived an existence of loneliness. Now, if you can remember, if your mind hasn't sort of you know, try to hide it away those first few months of COVID, all right, when we didn't really know what was going on, right? We didn't know how deadly or dangerous this was. If someone got COVID or someone got exposed to COVID in those first few months, right, what happened? You isolated yourself severely, like, like to the point where you would probably not even let your family members come in the room. They would drop food off at your door, perhaps. Some of you maybe experienced that. You got COVID in those early days when, when we didn't know as much, right? We didn't have necessarily a timeline yet of, of how long the isolation needed to be. Leprosy in the Bible was COVID quarantined your entire life. You were banished. You were quarantined. You were an outcast. And so when Jesus chooses to touch this man and to heal him, it is an act of incredible, incredible compassion. Indeed, Mark, in his accounting of this story, he explicitly states that Jesus was moved with compassion for the man. He touches the untouchable. He loves the unlovely. And by cleansing this man of his leprosy, Jesus was reinstating him into fellowship, not only with God, but with other people. That's part of the reason why he is going to send him to the priest, so that the priest can certify and, and validate that he is no longer a leper, no longer needs to live in loneliness, but he has been granted free access and full participation among the people of God again. Brothers and sisters, how vital it is for us to hear this good news today, that Jesus is a Savior who has compassion on the outcast. We live in a culture that is full of loneliness, that is overflowing in isolation, full of not being known, of not being cared about, not being in relationships. Just this May, The U.S. Surgeon General released an 82-page advisory document entitled, Our Epidemic of Loneliness and Isolation. You can Google it and read it and find it online. He noted that even before COVID, more than half of U.S. adults would report experiencing loneliness. And professing Christians are not immune. Just last week, an essay by Jake Metter in The Atlantic magazine discussed a book called The Great De-Churching. This book argues that one of the main things driving people away from the church, and particularly younger folks who are growing up in the church, grow disaffected, disillusioned, and leave the church right, as they get into their 20s and their 30s, but even older, right? He's, this book is saying one of the main reasons why this is happening is just how life works in the 21st century. He writes, Contemporary contemporary America simply isn't set up to promote mutuality, care, or common life. Rather, it's designed to maximize individual accomplishment as divined by professional 
and financial success. Right? Such a system, he writes, leaves precious little time or energy for forms of community that don't contribute to one's own professional life or, as one ages, the professional prospects of one, one's children. He says workism, right, where you make an idol of work, or in our own culture, right, sportsism, right, make an idol of sports. It, it, it reigns in our culture in America, and because of it, community is in decline. Religious community in, involved and in, in, included. He says it's a math problem that doesn't add up. And then I'll, these words are, are searching. He says the underlying challenge for many is that their lives are stretched like a rubber band about to snap. And church attendance ends up feeling like an item on a checklist that's already too long. Americans have adopted a way of life that has left us lonely, anxious, and uncertain of how to live in community with other people. Does that resonate with you at all? Does it resonate as you look at your friends and your neighbors? We live in, in, in a world, in a culture, even a state, as, as much relational capital as we have here in Mississippi how well do you know even your next door neighbors? How well are you known by them? How well are you known by the folks here in this room? But Jesus is full of compassion for the outcast, for the lonely, even for those who have made an idol out of work and, and sports, who've overfilled their lives with too many activities, not enough community, too busy to come to church. See, by the touch of Jesus, we are restored to a true fellowship, a true friendship with other sinners trusting in Jesus Christ. Psalm 68, verse 6 puts it like this. God makes a home for the lonely. And he does it how? By sending his son to become an outcast in our place, to be banished for us. We read it, don't we? In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12, Jesus suffered outside the gate, outside the camp, just like the lepers lived outside the camp. Isaiah 53, he was despised. He was rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Jesus was banished not just from human, humanity, but banished from the side of his own father, forsaken, exiled as it were, so that we might be restored back to God and to others in true and rich connection. At least that's what the church should be. Again, Jake Metter in that Atlantic article writes this. He says, what is more needed in our time than a community marked by sincere love, sharing what they have from each according to their ability, to each according to their need, eating together regularly, generously serving neighbors, living lives of quiet virtue and prayer. A vibrant, life-giving church requires more, not less, time and energy from its members. It asks people to prioritize one another over our careers, to prioritize prayer and time reading scripture together over accomplishments. Think about this lever, leper, no longer an outcast, no longer banished. Don't you think that he entered back into society with a passion to serve and to love the people around him, to touch the untouchable as he had been touched, to love the unlovable as he had been loved by Jesus. Those who have been loved much, love much. They spend and are spent for the sake of those around them. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is full of compassion for the outcast. Must we be the same? 
Absolutely. Because we have been loved by him, we are called to go forth into the world, bringing the love of Christ to sinners, bringing the community of the church, the relationships of fellow sinners. You know the saying, one beggar asking and telling another beggar where to find bread. That's the church. Jesus is compassionate toward outcasts. Let us be likewise. Well, finally, one more thing we learn about Jesus here in this passage is this, that Jesus is unswerving in his obedience to God's law. You see, after Jesus heals the leper, he charges him to tell no one. You read that and you're kind of like, that's weird. Why didn't Jesus want this man to go and tell that Jesus had healed him? Well, part of the reason seems to be that that Jesus didn't want people to to grow in their their appreciation for him to the point that they thought, hey, this is our ticket out of the Roman control, right? This is our ticket out of slavery to the Romans. Jesus is our earthly deliverer, our earthly Messiah. He's the one who's going to come and defeat and conquer the Romans. That would have held forth the same temptation to Jesus that, that Satan held forth. Gain the kingdoms of the world. Be the earthly deliverer. But, but, but Jesus also wanted the man to be quiet because he wanted to be able to freely preach and teach in the cities of Galilee. Unfortunately, as Mark, again, makes a little more explicit than Luke does, the, the leper spoke freely himself about Jesus' healing. And so Jesus wasn't able to openly enter into a town. He had to do his teaching and his healing out in the wilderness. People came to hear him. He wasn't able to make it into the cities because there was just too much commotion, too much attention to him. But there's another reason why Jesus was charging him to be quiet. It's because he wanted the man first, as we've already noticed, to to go to the priest, to go and show himself to the priest and make the required offering for his cleansing, just as Moses had commanded. Now, Now think about this. Here is Jesus who has come to abolish and do away with the ceremonial law, right? He has come to abolish the old covenant ceremonial sacrificial system. All the cleanliness laws that he's operating with here when it comes to leprosy and going and showing yourself to the priest. He's come to do away with all those. And yet here he is telling the man, charging him, commanding him, observe the Mosaic commandments. Why? Well, Because Jesus and the man both lived under that old covenant law. And Jesus had come to fulfill the law, the whole law, for us and for our salvation. It was fitting for Jesus to fulfill all righteousness so that he might obey God's law in every part, all the parts that were in effect when he lived here on earth. He was made under the law, Paul says in Galatians 4. What we see here And Jesus' word to this leper is a part of his active obedience, his faithful law-keeping in every way so that his righteousness might be credited to our account. We see Jesus in his unswerving commitment to obey the law of God for our salvation, brothers and sisters, for our salvation. Even as he kept the Sabbath a couple weeks back, we saw that it was his custom to be in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. So now he, he keeps even the ceremonial law under which he lived in that day. All the moral law, all the ceremonial law. But Jesus wanted the man to observe the Mosaic ceremonies, not just for his sake as the Savior, to be the righteous one, the pure one in every way, but also for the man's sake, 
for the man's sake. You see, the ritual that he was about to enter into, going through this with the priest to be declared clean as a leper, it was the gospel in living color. Right? First, the priest would have taken two living birds. He would have killed one of the birds over water. Right? So the, the, the blood of that bird would have fallen into the water. And then he would have dipped the second bird into the bloody water of the first. He would have sprinkled the, the former leper with that bloody water, pronouncing him clean. And then hear this. He, was, he would have let the live bird go free. Think about that. You probably are familiar with the, 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 the Day of Atonement, the scapegoat right, where, where the, 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 the sins of Israel had been put upon the, the scapegoat and they would have let the scapegoat go out into the wilderness, right, as, as a visual picture that, that your sins are taken away from you. It's the same here. That bloody bird covered in the, the, the blood of the first bird would have flown free into the wilderness, declaring to this man visibly, you are free, you are clean, go in peace. Go in freedom. But it didn't stop there. It didn't stop there. You see, one week later, the man was to wash his clothes, to shave all the hair off of his body, to take a bath. And then he was to bring three lambs to the priest. And they would be offered up to the Lord to make atonement for him and for his sins. In those sacrifices, what do we see? but a foreshadowing of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. This man was sent by Jesus back to the priest so that he might offer these sacrifices, not only to have that visual picture of the bird flying free, to say, I am clean, I am free because of what Jesus has done for me, but also so that he would see the sacrificial lambs offered for his salvation, pointing to Jesus, who within two or three years is going to die on the cross. How does Hebrew 10, Hebrews 10 put it? The law is only a shadow of the good things that are to come, not the reality. The blood of bulls and goats and lambs can, can never, as they were offered over and over and over again, could never take away sins. But Jesus has come, the righteous one, the sinless, spotless lamb of God without defect has offered his body on the cross once for all so that all who trust in him are sanctified, are cleansed. Turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 10. Listen to the way the author of the Hebrews at the end of that chapter concludes. And think back to the second point, the things we were just hearing about community and, and isolation and, and fellowship. Listen to how the author of the Hebrews speaks of because of what Jesus has done how we're reconciled to God and to one another. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more 
as you see the day, the last day, drawing near. Because of what Jesus has done, we have access to the Father. And we have access to one another, to the fellowship, the communion of the saints. So if you're here this morning and you are skeptical of Christianity, skeptical of the claims of the gospel, particularly if you've grown up in church, no matter what age you are, maybe you're in high school, maybe you're in college, maybe you're you know, post-college, maybe you're like post-retirement, and you're growing disaffected, you're growing skeptical, I want to urge you to consider again and again who Jesus is, what Jesus has done. Bring all of your questions to him who is full of compassion, full of grace. If you're here this morning and you know that you are full of leprosy, you are full of sin, then I encourage you, I urge you, find hope in the finished work of Christ and then go forth into the world loving as you have been loved. Go and touch the untouchables. Go and love the unlovable Recommit yourself to the fellowship of the church, to gathering together with the saints, both in corporate worship like you are here and from house to house. May the Lord encourage our hearts, we who by nature are unclean and outcast, but have been brought in and brought into the fellowship of the body. May the Lord enable us to love him and to love one another as he has first loved us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this glorious story. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. Pray that we would know it more clearly in our hearts, that we would experience your compassion, your love, your mercy, your power, your willingness. Lord, help us to go forth confidently and filled with your love. We pray this in your name. Amen.